Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hello, everyone. I'm Shalu Kulkani, a partner in Hydric and Struggles' London office and a member of our Hydric consulting practice. In today's podcast, I'm speaking to Abakar Saidov, co-founder and CEO at Beamery, a talent relationship management service provider headquartered in London. Prior to launching Beamery in 2013, Abakar has worked with Francisco Partners, a tech-focused private equity firm, and he started his career at Goldman Sachs. Abakar, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. Thank you for having me, Shalai. It's a pleasure. So, Abakar, you started your career in finance and in private equity. How did you move from there to entrepreneurship and to founding a tech platform? So, the the true backstory is, and I started the, the company with my brother. Uh, the backstory is that we were, you know, as first-generation immigrants to, to the UK, uh, we were always entrepreneurial uh, as we were growing up, uh, just to be able to have some pocket money. You know, my parents were not very rich, uh, in fact, quite the opposite. And so I guess by necessity, uh, we found ourselves doing a number of things like, you know, importing cheap speakers from Japan and selling them to friends or founding the uh, school sweet shop and, and working there and, you know, buying wholesale sweets and uh, reselling them on. So. Early on, both my brother and I would do things like that, that created this kind of entrepreneurial spirit. But in reality, we didn't know any better. We were just like, this is this is the way, this is the only thing you can do. And so what happened was as we had both started careers at Goldman and then I worked in, in the private equity firm, we ended up starting to live together again after you know being uh, apart in, in universities and doing different things. And every night we would have new ideas as to things we'd want to do, businesses we wanted to start. and. Eventually, it came together where we cared so deeply about kind of one topic in particular, which is helping solve the passport or birthplace lottery and to do that uh, specifically around access to work. And you know, we are both still to this day incredibly passionate about uh, fair access to work and making that a, a basic human right and uh, kept coming up with different ideas as to, as to how to solve that. So that was the, um, the genesis. And based on your experience and your career to date, what would you say is your leadership advice for young aspiring entrepreneurs who would like to make a similar switch into the space as yourself? You know, there's there's a lot of uh, statistical uh, kind of views on this, which is the likelihood of success is probabilistically weighted. You know, you're not going to have a better outcome uh, than if you're having a very stable job. So it really has to be something that you care about so much that you want to exist in the world so much that the fear of failure is not there. The fear of losing money is not there. That it's, I think one of my friends describes this as the idea is you know, ripping itself out of your chest that you want to do this so much and that you will go through all of the hardships, all of the long nights, all of the emotional drama that comes with starting a company. And, you know, I know dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs who started companies and when it got hard and it really does get hard they dropped out they were like this is too difficult and so i think that my advice is only work on something 
that uh, you would work on for free forever. You wanted to exist so much. So COVID, as you know, has impacted many organizations globally, and many of them have had to rethink their operating models. So what particular changes have you faced as a leader through COVID-19 in these last few months? And what did you do to overcome them? It's something that I talk to a lot about uh, my mentors and, and other CEOs. And I think obviously I'm going to say something that is probably relatively obvious in, in today's world and literature is around how to embrace uh, the hybrid leadership model, uh, which is we've known for a long time that, for example, in education, that children learn differently and there's different styles and different approaches. So it shouldn't exactly be surprising that people work differently and have some people work better at home, uh, different hours in different locations. There's lots of things that are conducive to work and productivity. But I think something that isn't often talked about is what does leading a company that is going through that hybrid uh, transition look like? And the fact that when people don't see you or meet you, you, you build relationships in a different way. Many managers are doing that for the first time. Uh, so it requires an extra bit of deliberate thoughtfulness on understanding what people are going through and understanding how to motivate, inspire and create connection. And so for me, that has been a very, very deliberate effort uh, during the pandemic. So culture, as we know, is at the heart of all successful global companies. How would you define Beamery's culture and what have you done to build and maintain it as a leader? My view is that culture is something that you cannot, you cannot just define from the top. Uh, ultimately, it is the summation of the traits of all the individuals you have in the company. And it is something that you can build deliberately. You can uh, retain, you can change. Uh, all of these things are, are things that you can do. And sometimes people deliberately change their culture and every single person you hire impacts it. And so early on, what we recognized is that as founders, we are what makes us similar in many ways is uh, we're very curious and we ask a lot of questions. So the first value that we have as a company is starting with why. And starting with why is that first question. The small child that asks lots of questions always says why. And so we wanted to capture and preserve some of that childlike curiosity towards everything, seeking to understand, seeking to learn, and not being satisfied with this is how we've always done things. The, ask, the question to that should always be why. And people that are like that want to be given the autonomy to go and do things. But to encourage that autonomy uh, in a world where the company is always changing, the business is growing, things are hectic, uh, people need to feel empowered to own the change they seek. And if something is broken, fix it. If you see an opportunity to make something better, do it. And we, what we wanted to overcome is, you know, that uh, burning building syndrome of people walking past a burning building and nobody calls the fire department because everyone else thinks that somebody else did. And so owning the change they seek means every sentence that starts with, we should do something, should end with, and here is how I'm going to do it. Uh, it's not somebody else's job, it's yours. And so that, that became our second value. And to ensure there was balance uh, in that, because then you create very ambitious, highly motivated, highly curious, high ownership company, you need to make sure that you also create kindness. And I think that a lot of companies talk about authenticity, um, but authenticity is often associated with 
uh, directness and bluntness, but you can actually be authentic and be very positive and kind. And so for us, uh, acting with kindness uh, became a third value for us. All of this is only possible and you get the trust that you need to be able to operate in this kind of way is if you communicate openly. And so for us, that open channels of communication and over communication became incredibly important. And so initially we focused on, uh, especially with this hybrid model during COVID is how can we be, you know, practice some of that radical candor uh, and really have that deliberate openness as, as something that we, we always open with and no pun intended. And lastly, you know, I started talking about our entrepreneurship vision with uh, this idea of what matters to me and, uh, and my co-founders around creating fair access to work. We as a company are very, very passionate about this mission and making this positive impact together and doing things that are not just good for business, but good for the surrounding stakeholders that we have, whether it's our environment, whether it is our customers, whether it is our employees, and aligning it to ultimately the uh, development goals um, around things like access to work, education and healthcare. And so making a positive impact together, ensuring that our internally our employees grow and develop together uh, and externally we make this impact on, on our communities, that became our fifth value. So we've been very thoughtful and very deliberate around how we think these through and how we define them and how we practice them every day. So building diversity and diverse inclusive teams is also now more than ever at the forefront of the thinking of many businesses. So what do you do to ensure that you have diverse perspectives within your team? And how has this cascaded down to the rest of your organization? I think a lot of organizations focus on the high level construct of gender diversity or ethnic diversity. And something that we spend a lot of time on and thought a lot about is within DEI. My personal mantra is actually starting with I, right? Uh, what needs to be true to create an inclusive environment? And if you start with creating inclusion, uh, the inputs to inclusion are many, including equity, including diversity, but there are many others. And ultimately our approach has been, you need to create a company where people feel confident, included, passionate, excited, and uh, creating that kind of organization is from a diversity perspective is one that is non-homogenous and so the way we approach uh, this is creating non-homogenous teams that don't look like each other or having a certain percentage of non-homogeneity because often in the extreme cases diversity gets associated with not of a particular gender or skin color therefore uh, or if too much too much of a particular gender or skin color, then you are not diverse. Whereas actually, uh, it's a it's about not being like the others. It's about creating teams that uh, act and think differently. And some of that thinking differently, it comes from the backgrounds, comes from the educations. And so we, we think a lot about that from, from this side of diversity. But really having a diverse team that does not feel listened to or included is not useful either. And so that's why we, we really focused on um, how to first create an environment of inclusion and as some of the inputs to those, uh, I would say diversity is a big component. So as we look ahead into 2022, which specific leadership skills and people capabilities would you say are going to be most important for your company to achieve its strategic goals in the year ahead? There are 
probably two or three things that I, I think about as, as core leadership qualities that are going to drive our success. And I think for many companies, their success. Uh, so the first one is empathy. I think it is incredibly important for people to know how to listen and know how to understand and read between the lines of what's happening. So I remember listening to an amazing uh, podcast with Stephen Fry recently and the conversation topic goes around you know, students these days, quote unquote, complaining about this or complaining about that and uh, whether, you know, what his opinions were and <laughs> what what he said was something that I think rings true with with employees and teams and leaders is students are trying to build a better world the best way they know how. So if they're complaining about something, it's because they believe it's important. So your job as a leader is to listen. And I think that that rings true inside the company as well, as you don't have to agree with things, you don't have to be on the same page, but you have to listen and seek to understand. And I think that that empathy for your teams is incredibly important because people are different. I think the second is knowing how to take risks and move quickly. A big leadership quality that I hire for and that I look for in my leaders is people that know how to take bets and how to take calculated bets and how to inject uh, urgency into what they're doing. I think that is uh, an incredibly important quality uh, in being able to move quickly and uh, achieve results quickly. So I think the, and probably the third is coupling with uh, a lot of the values we talked about is when you're running teams that are hybrid, some remote, some not, and you're practicing empathy as a leader, it's around understanding how to create teams that achieve those results and how to be very, very focused on the building blocks of what, what it takes to build good benches of management teams. Because some of the things that we need to really fixate on at the moment is how to create good managers that know how to manage those hybrid teams. And that is different to what we've known before. And I think the last point is investing in people's growth and careers. Because I think when we uh, look at some of the reasons for the quote-unquote great resignation that uh, is going on today, a lot of that is, and we have a lot of research that talks about this, you know, some of the primary research conducted by Beamery, is that people feel that without that connection, uh, they don't feel like their careers are being invested to and their growth is being invested to. And so I think that that's a, that's a really important skill set for leaders. Abakar, thank you for making the time to speak to us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, Shalou. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.